Okay, I hope this works this time. All right. I did want to mention that, and I always like to take note of this, March 31st, the last, it's either the last day of March or the first day of April is, according to the Bible, the new year. I always, I love that because, you know, spring is March 20th, and then right there, you know, what the Bible would reckon as the first day of the new year. So you might want to keep that in mind and just rejoice because spring is right around the corner. Everything's coming to life, and thank goodness for that. I am <laughs> looking forward to um, springtime. It's my favorite time of the year. I just called to say I love you. <laughs> I just called to say how much I care. You recognize that song? I hope so. No. Stevie Wonder. Um, it's a powerful song. Um, I got to listen to that song over and over again. And, and, you know, I wear songs out. If I like it, I will just play it until I'm sick of it. And I'm never listening to that again. If I hear it one more time. But I was um, playing that song. It's, it's a powerful song. Stevie Wonder was born blind on May 13, 1950. He was born blind as a result of receiving too much oxygen in the incubator as a premature baby. Uh, he taught himself the harmonica, he taught himself the piano, and he taught himself the drums, how to play the drums before age 10. Um, some of the things he, he, I was looking at the biography of, of Stevie Wonder, some of the quotes, he, some of the things he said, he said, just because a man lacks the use of his eyes doesn't mean he lacks vision. Powerful concept coming from a man that's blind. Uh, he said, I never thought of being blind as a disadvantage, and I never thought of being black as a disadvantage. I am what I am. I love me. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty powerful concept. You know, I love me. You should love yourself because of what God, God's given you your life. Um, some people can't say that with a poor self-image, and they, they can't say, I love me. But, but you, you know... You should be grateful for what God has given you, your life. He also said, you, gotta, you got to work with what you got to work with. <laughs> now, of course, his vision, he's missing that. He also said, music is an essence of what gives us memory. And I've never thought about this quite like this. You know, I know memory, they say your sense of smell is closely connected to your memory. And that's why when you smell something, you can remember back. You know, I, I have this little bottle of perfume. It's an orange, some type of orange perfume that I got at Disneyland 25 years ago. My parents took me to Disneyland, and I don't know why I bought that, but it just takes me back to the streets, the street lights, the music. There was some Dixie, Dixieland music playing in the streets, and the fireworks, and the Swiss Family Robertson Treehouse, and all that stuff. Disneyland, and I can smell that, and it's just, I'm just there again. But he says music is an essence of what gives us memory, and the longer a song has existed in our lives, the more memories we have of it. And, uh, you know, I can, I can listen to old songs, and it will just take me back to an experience, and uh, some good, some bad, but uh, <laughs> most of them pleasant. 
And uh, music is very powerful, and I've never thought of it as connected to memories in that sense, just like a sense of smell. Well, songs, music is connected to your memory. He also said, I'm a work in progress, but if I know in my heart that I'm doing my best, that my heart's in the right place, that I have unconditional love, I feel okay. I feel okay. Now, this song, I just called to say I love you. I was playing it, wearing it out on my CD, listening to it over and over again. You know, it says no, no New Year's Day to celebrate. No chocolate-covered candy hearts to give away. No first of spring, no song to sing. In fact, it's just another ordinary day. No April rain, no flowers bloom. No wedding Saturday within the month of June. But what it is is something true made up of these three words I must say to you. And the course of the song is I just called to say I love you. I just called to say how much I care. No summer. You know, what I like about this, he takes what we would normally associate love with and says it's not about that. It's about this. I just called to say I love you. No summer high, no warm July, no harvest moon to light one tender August night, no autumn breeze, no falling leaves, not even time for birds to fly to southern skies, no Libra sun, and it goes on, you know, I just called to say I love you. And as I was driving down the road, it hit me, I thought, wait a minute. He's never been able to see the first of spring, the autumn rain, the April rain, the flower bloom, the harvest moon, the autumn breeze, the falling leaves. He's never seen that. And I thought, man, that's amazing. He also wrote a song about his daughter. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she precious? Less than one minute old, I never thought love would be making one as lovely as she. But isn't she lovely made from love? Isn't she pretty? Truly the angel's best. Boy, I am so happy. We have been heavenly blessed. I can't believe what God has done. Through us, he's given life to one. But isn't she lovely, made from love? It's about his daughter that he's never been able to see. Now, I want to ask you a question. Can you see what Stevie Wonder can see? Chances are you can't. Chances are you can't. At least not in the same way. The title of this message is, Can You See? Can You See? I, you know, sometimes the expectations of a thing can be greater than the reality. I I would love to be there at the resurrection time, whatever resurrection, but anyway, when, when he finally gets his real eyes, you know, I'd like to just be there and just see what that's like when he can actually see again with his eyes. 
<clears throat> can you see? It sort of hit me one day. I, mean, it was, I was busy, busy, busy. I was working in the garage. I was working in my study, back and forth. I like to have two or three jobs going on at one time, by the way. Just, it, I get bored with any one thing. So I've got to have multiple things going on to stay contented. So I'm cleaning my garage, and I'm up there in the study doing some church work. Back and forth, I ran back up the stairs, the upstairs deck, and I looked, and there's this beautiful full moon, orange, coming up over the, over the, you know, the landscape with the trees in the back. You know, and I thought, it just stopped me. I just, it was stunning. I just stopped, and I said, wow. Where'd that come from? <laughs> it's been, it's been, it's been, you know, it comes up, it's, it's every 30 days. I mean, it's, it's not like it's been hiding or something like that, but it's, it's there. But I was just, it's like, it's been a long time since I've, not that it wasn't there, it's been a long time since I've taken notice of this. And it was stunning. I just had to stop and say, wow, man, you need to slow down a little bit. Notice that. In Luke 10 and verse 21, Jesus said, he said, In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. Luke 10 and verse 21. Can you see, can you still see the things that you used to see? In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes, speaking of his disciples. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. You know, he's rejoicing over the fact that God had revealed his truth to babes and simple-minded people. And I think of that statement, except you become as little children, you're just not going to enter the kingdom of God. And I know little children, you know, I know there was a time when I was fascinated by creation and everything, everything around me. I took the time to look at it. I took the time to rejoice. I took the time to appreciate it more, to marvel at everything around me. Except you become like little children. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. In Luke 10 verse 23... He says, and he turned in him into his disciples and said privately. Now he doesn't say this to the multitude. He says this to his disciples. Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you, there will be many prophets and kings that have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them. And to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. And I think God would say that right now of you and me. It's just that, I don't know. The Bible warns about losing your first love. There's warnings in there about this. And when I think about losing your first love, I guess the question again is, can you still see? Can you still see? Can you still see the things you used to see? You know, I think back to things like my first feast and when God first called me. 
Man, that was exciting. My first feast, and I think it might have been Lake Tahoe, and we got there, and of course on the first night of the feast, the moon is always full. And it was over that lake, Lake Tahoe there, and, and just, uh, you know, it was a feeling of, man, I am here because God wants me to be here. Because this is a commanded appointment with God. Something good's going to happen. Something special is going to happen. And I, you know, I would go to the service expecting something. How many of you go to church expecting nothing? <laughs> you'll, you'll get it every time. <laughs> and, you know, even things like Pentecost weekend. You know, oh, it was a weekend, you know, Saturday and Sunday. What's the big deal? You know, I don't have anything better to do. What, what about now? What do you have that's better, you know, more important than, you know, but Pentecost weekend, and we would, you know, drive long distances. And, and uh, you know, we used to, when we first started going to church, we would drive three hours to Statesville, North Carolina, every single Sabbath day. Basically, it was an all-day ordeal. This went on for about ten years because that's where God's people were. That's where they were meeting. I mean, it wasn't anything close by, I don't guess. or Either I didn't, either I didn't know about it or the fellowship group hadn't started yet or what. There's, there's more around today. But, and it, wasn't, it, it was a joy. You know, we would three hours up there, three hours back, and of course we would stop, I think somewhere along the way, and get something to eat, and that was a great, I mean, I enjoyed that also. But, uh, but I, I wonder sometimes losing your first love, you know, come to church and we really, or even a feast, you know, and I've even sometimes talked talk negatively about the feast because I haven't, it seems like sometimes I don't get that much out of it like I used to. But I wonder, is that my fault? Whose fault is that? Uh, like I said, you go to church expecting nothing. That's exactly what you're going to get. Nothing. Maybe it has more to do with us. What you expect. I mean, I can remember, I was thinking, man, you know, I'm going to hear something that's going to change my life. Was the attitude that I had. I'm going to hear from God. You know, I'm going to hear a word from the Lord. It's exciting. But we come, you know, sometimes with losing your first love. And I, and I go back to this, you know, I started out telling about Stevie, Stevie Wonder that he has a greater appreciation, it seems, for something that he cannot see. It's almost as if he has a greater appreciation for something that he cannot see than we who can see. And actually have it in our hands. And here's a man that can't see. You know, his, he can't see all these wonderful things that the song says. You know, I just called to say how much I love you. The flowers in the springtime. He can't see that. And yet he's able to tell about it. Or his daughter. I guess he can put his hands on his daughter's face. And that's what blind people do. They, they feel. You know, and they, they create an image in their mind. But wow, what an appreciation. You know, sometimes I think what God's people need is a sabbatical. Um, maybe the absence of a thing creates a greater appreciation. Maybe God would say sometimes, come back when you, get, when you, got, a, when you got a better attitude. You know, <laughs> you can come back to services when you got a better attitude. You can come back to services when you're expecting something. 
That, that's when you can come. You know, and it's awesome that sometimes think God would say, well, take, take some time off. You need it. Believe me, you need it. Can you see? Can you see? Can you see what you used to see? You know, there are some people that refuse to see. The fool has said in, in his heart, there is no God. There are some people that absolutely refuse to see. You know, I was talking to Greg, and, and, and we were talking, I was working on a program, and he, was, he shared this with me about proof of God's existence. And one of the proofs is that you can't, man can't create something smarter than himself. You can't create something smarter than yourself, you know. Man can't do that. And one of the proofs of God is, that, is, is acknowledging that fact that, you know, I can't create a tree. I can't create a dog or anything like that. And so if I can't do that, if I can't make it from scratch, then somebody, there must be a, a, a great creator, a great designer that, that can do that. I mean, you'd think that in itself, that, you know, man can't create something smarter than himself, would be proof positive that there is a great creator, God. You don't have to turn there, but Romans 1 and verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. How do you know God? How do you get to know God? Well, you look at creation. You look at everything around you that's been made. The earth traveling around the sun 64,000 miles per hour. Photosynthesis. The hydrologic cycle. Or, you know, all of these things that you know, there's no new amount of water on the earth. It's the same amount that's always been here. It's just, you know, the, it's amazing. The, everything, it's just absolutely amazing how the deadly salt water is left behind and the mist goes up and it forms clouds and it's carried about and it releases its droplets of rain and it runs back into the ocean. Everything, it's just, it's unreal. Can you see? Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. I want to look at three little, make three little points here. Number one is, I'll, I'll tell you what they are right now. Number one is going to be, with seeing comes responsibility. Two, remember what you used to see. And three, see your future. See your future. All right, what, uh, with seeing comes responsibility. Matthew 20 and verse 30 little story here about two blind men. Matthew 20 and verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, you son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they... Because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thy son of David. Verse 32. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will you that I shall do to you? What do you want me to do? Now, sort of an unusual question to ask a blind man. You got two blind men standing there before you? You know? What do you want me to do? You don't want to see, do you? <laughs> Did Jesus not know? Well, of course he knew what they, that they were blind. I think what Jesus wanted was an affirmation. You know, what 
is it that you want me to do? I think he wanted them to say, look, you know, he wanted to hear it. I want to see. Because, you know, with seeing comes responsibility, especially if you're blind. You see things you've never seen before. I mean, your temptation's a little bit different when you can see. There's a responsibility that goes with seeing. Do you really want to see? Maybe is what Jesus is asking. And I think he wanted to hear it. You know, this, this is what I want. I want to see. And you know, I think it's important. There comes a point in our spiritual walk with God where you need to, you need to tell God what you... I, I, you know, sometimes our relationship is just a long lull, a long drawn out period where, where God's waiting for us to figure out what we want. You know, what is it that you really want? And once you can tell God what you want, you can move to, to, on, on to, to uh, you know, plan B or whatever. But sometimes you can be stuck because you don't know what you want. I mean, you ever get like that? You know, I don't know how many times I've said that. Lord, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. As if it's just going to fall on me. You know, he's going to tell me. You know, I, I, you know sometimes you just got to look at things and make a decision and say, this is, this is, this is the direction I'm going. This is what I want. And then you can get on with your walk with God. But what is it that you want? Do you really want to see? With seeing comes responsibility. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received their sight, and they followed him. You know, I, I'm sort of convinced, as we grow older in God's calling, we can get tired of seeing. <laughs> you know, I say that based on Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 18. It says, it's a powerful concept here. It says, in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. You know, when God first calls you, it's like, you know, man, it's exciting. I mean, it's, it's ecstasy. Boy, I mean, God, you know, what is going on here? I mean, God is, has called me for a reason, for a purpose. God's kingdom is coming to this earth. I can be a part of it. You know, he that overcometh and keeps my commandments, you know, to him will I give power to rule over nations. You know, to be able to make things right, to be able to be a part of God's government that's coming to this earth. You know, it's exciting when, when God first calls you. But as you grow older in God's calling, often grief and, and increased sorrow comes with that because you understand the ways of this world. And you understand that it's not the fantasy world that you once imagined. You know, once I imagined I, you know, I would catch this big yellow school bus and I would think this is great. What a wonderful world. You know, here I am going to school. I didn't know the whole school system in itself wasn't that good, you know, that <laughs> like putting you in a cage full of monkeys, you know, they don't, you can watch them, you can look at them, but don't you do what those monkeys are doing. You know, I didn't know the whole system was messed up, and I, you know, you, but you, you, as, as a child, you just think, it's, it's great, man, it's a great world in which I live in. It's wonderful. There's a song, you know, what a wonderful world. But you begin to understand that you know, as you grow older, that, you know, grief and increased sorrow because you understand some things about the world and, and, and what you live in, and you realize God's fix for this world is not yet. It's not time yet. It's coming, God's kingdom, but the fix is not yet. 
And so you, you sort of you get, you, you have some grief and sorrow, and it seems to increase as you, as you get older. There's, a, I'm getting off subject here, but there's a, this is, you don't have to turn there, but in Ezekiel 9 and verse 4, it talks about, it was an angel with a writer's ink horn that says, now I want you to go about, and I want, I want you to put a stamp on a certain group of people. It's a time of separation when God's going to separate some people. And he says, I want you to put a mark on the people that sigh and cry for all the abominations done. Yeah, that, that sort of describes you, does it not? I mean, it's, it's, I want you to mark those people, set them aside. That you, you just look at the world and you think, man, it's not good. You, know, you go to the post office, you look, missing children. You go to Walmart, you go to Sam's Warehouse, well, you're missing children, whatever. On the wall, you watch the news and you think this is not good. And I want you to put a mark on those that sigh and cry for all the abominations done in the midst thereof. Blessed are your eyes. Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. Second one. Remember what you used to see. Remember what you used to, th to see. Now I want you, at this moment, I want you to think back to your big day. To me, the, the big day, it was baptism. It really was. I mean, that, that was my big day. That was the, you know, I can remember when God was calling me, reading through the Bible. I was reading through the book of Acts and reading about, you know, repent therefore and be baptized. Conversion and all that. And I called my mother up. I'd been studying about a year. And I said, does the Bible say that we need to be baptized? And she, she said, yeah. And I said, I, I think I need to be, be baptized. And of course, I'm sure that blew her away because, I mean, she wasn't expecting that. She knew I'd been studying the Bible, but, you know, it was just, and I remember thinking, okay, I got to do this, but I'm not sure I want to or not. You know, it's a... <laughs> But it was something I knew I had to do. I was going to go through it whether I wanted to or not. You know, whether I just, I, it was something I had to do. But I want you to think back to that big day. Uh, I got the very blessed experience back about, oh, I forget how many years ago, but we had, actually had a service at the motel in Statesville where I was baptized at. And uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been wanting to go back there. And we actually had the, we stayed in that room and we, st we had a room there rented. We, we, we were having services there. And I got in that pool, same pool. I got in that water. And I actually laid back and let the water cover my head. You know, <laughs> just, just like it was, I was reenacting that moment, you know. But uh, I want you to think back to that moment. Um, Acts 26 and verse 18. Let's take a look at this. Acts 26 and verse 18. Remember what you used to see. And sort of the gospel here is summarized in this scripture of what God is doing through mankind, the elect of God, the called of God. Acts 26 and verse 18 says, To open the eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by, the, by faith that is in me. Jesus is speaking here. And, you know, I want you to just personalize this. Number one, this is, this is, you know, number one, to open your eyes. Number two, to turn you from darkness to light. 
Number three, to turn you from the power of Satan unto God. Number four, for you to receive forgiveness of sin. Number five, for you to receive an inheritance, which is really, you know, the kingdom of God and your part in that kingdom. Leadership that you will offer in that kingdom. God is training future leaders today to have a part in that kingdom. You know, this, this is powerful stuff here when you think about it. And it's so simplistic when you think about these points that God says, this is what I'm going to do. Now, sometimes I have to go back to that third one, to turn you from the power of Satan unto God. You know, when I'm struggling, you know, with, with temptation, sin or whatever, I have to go back to that and I have to say, oh, no, wait a minute, this is what God is doing through me. This is, this is something that's, that he's doing. To turn you from the power of Satan. Yeah, I know it's got a hold of you. But to God. To turn you away from that. <clears throat> Number three. Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. Number three. See your future that God has for you. In Romans 8 and verse 21. I'm reading here, I think, from the uh, New King James. It uses this word creation, which I like a little bit better. Romans 8 and verse 21, that the creation itself also, also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. Man, when, when, you know, when I think about what is coming, this world, this sin-sick world, and the solution, God's solution, to how to make it right, there's a verse in Isaiah where it talks about, Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? You ever thought about what that's going to be like? You know, that nation being born at once is a reference to God's children at the resurrection. When a whole nation of spirit-begotten sons of God, daughters of God, are going to be resurrected. And a whole nation is born at once. To put an end to what we see out there today. Romans 8 and verse 22 it says, And we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain until now. And that's true, you know. I mean, this, this is the world in which we live in. It's sick. Totally sick. And I guess without people even realizing it, they are looking for the manifestations of, of the sons of God, the children of God. They're looking for this moment when Christ is going to rip the heavens open, resurrect the saints, and establish His government on this earth. Skip on down to Romans 8 and verse 25. It says, But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. You know that little word hope. What do you hope for? Do you see your future? Do you realize what your future consists of? The word hope is really nothing more than your imagination. Now, I have a powerful imagination, but I imagine what that kingdom is going to be like. You know, I imagine what it's going to be like to put an end to the pain and suffering that we see all around us. I imagine what it's like to, for evil to be no more. You know, I mentioned earlier, sometimes the expectation of a thing can be greater than the reality. I think of that word hope 
you know, your imagination, what you're expecting. The question is, can you see? You know, I, I consider, you know, if a blind man can see, referring back to that song, if a blind man can see the first of spring, if a blind man in his mind can see the April rain and flowers bloom and harvest moon and falling leaves, if a blind man can see his daughter and express more eloquently, if he can ex- express that more eloquently than a man that can actually see with his eyes, a blind man can do this. You know, if he can do that, if, if a blind man can do that, then we can see and imagine the kingdom of God. What a nation of God's children is going to look like when it delivers this world from corruption as children of God along under the authority of Jesus Christ. I mean, if, you know, if a blind man can imagine all of that, then we can imagine what that kingdom is going to be like. And so we have to look into the future and keep that perspective in our minds and hearts. So, the question I'll leave you with is, can you see? And can you still see what you used to see?